This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about, let's see if I stop moving, a little bit about Lent. So some of you have um, practiced Lent for many years. Some of you, maybe it's a new concept to you. I'm not sure where you are in the whole idea of Lent, but Lent actually started this past Wednesday. Um, so we're going to start by reading a scripture from Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Um, I do have scriptures later on that I'm going to give out to hopefully some people who will read, but this one here I'll read myself. It's from uh, the New Living Translation. So Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So you may wonder why I'm reading that scripture when I'm talking about Lent. Um, but Lent is actually for 40 days, and it is patterned off of, among other instances in scripture, um, the 40 days of temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Um, they, 40 days is actually a um, significant one in the Christian and Jewish calendar, actually, because 40 days was how long it rained during... Um, Noah's time um, and then it, th this one here and I think there was another one too but I'm escaping me at the moment but there's a few different instances that 40 days was a thing so um, in the early Christian tradition because Lent was first um, started around 325 um, AD of course after Jesus um, so this is why they chose the 40 days so it's 40 days starting from uh, going basically counting back from Easter Sunday um, not including Sundays, so it's actually probably 46 days if you count the Sundays, but they don't include Sundays in the prayer and fasting. And one of the, um, one of the things I read about Lent, because I had to do a little research on it, um, was that uh, Sunday is actually re reserved for the celebration. Lent, of course, is not necessarily celebration because it's preparation time, but this whole idea, they don't include Sundays in that 40 days because Sundays are a day of celebration, right? We're supposed to gather together to celebrate with why we're actually gathering together because of Jesus. So um, I didn't grow up in the Lent tradition. Um, I actually probably never really heard a whole lot about Lent until I was an adult. Um, I did hear a lot about it when I used to work in Moncton because um, a lot of my colleagues um, at my work and friends, they would all say, well, I'm giving up chocolate for Lent. Well, that didn't sound like a great idea to me. Um, or I'm giving up fill in the blank, whatever it was that they really liked to do, they'd give it up for Lent. Um, the other thing I only ever knew about Lent was this whole Mardi Gras thing, right? You know, like they always had uh, Fat Tuesday and then they partied all weekend because 
of course it's it, or partied all for that time because they had to fast for the next 40 days so again not necessarily um, a good thing when you think about Lent so that was really all I knew about Lent and I've never really practiced Lent um, in any way shape or form but for some reason this year it seems to be coming up um, and I don't know the Lord has been bringing it up, I think, in my head. Not that I'm looking to give up chocolate, although that probably would be a bad thing. But I think that it's... Dawn's not going to give up chocolate. Um, but, uh, but I think Lent is a time of, of reflection, of preparation. Same as if we look at um, Advent, for example. And we always talk about doing Advent leading up to Christmas. Well, Advent is this time of preparation. Um, we, we are looking forward to the coming King, looking forward to the birth of Jesus, looking forward even to the ultimate second coming, right? So it's this time of preparing our hearts um, and we focus on great things like love and joy and peace and all the things that because Jesus came, we now have access to. But Lent um, is also a time of preparation obviously different than Christmas, obviously different than Advent, because Easter is very different than Christmas. Yes, I mean, really, Easter is the most significant thing on the Christian's calendar, because, or, sorry, Easter, did I say that? Easter, because um, it's, it's the reason we're here, right? The resurrection of Jesus. Why on earth would we even be gathering together if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus? So Lent's reason for preparation, because it's different, it's also different in the way we go about it, I guess. Um, instead of focusing on things like love and hope and peace and joy and all those wonderful things, um, instead, it's about opening our hearts um, to God's refining grace. And it's there, there's three things, or I guess four, although two are together, three things that during Lent is, is the, um, we do for, as part of our preparation. The first is confession. The second is prayer and fasting. It could be two separate, but they often go together, prayer and fasting and giving. So those are traditionally the three things that we would include in Lent. So um, we are going to take a look at each of those three things this morning, uh, looking through some scriptures. Mm -hmm. But I have a, a, a paragraph I just want to read to you that I found um, on one of the websites I was looking at Lent about. So I'm just going to read it to you. Lent is an intensely penitential time as we examine our sinful natures and return to the God we have through our own rebelliousness hurt time and time again. Lent is also an opportunity to contemplate what our Lord really did for us on the cross, and it wasn't pretty. But ultimately, the purpose of Lent does not stop at sadness and despair. It points us to the hope of the resurrection and the day when every tear will be dried. So even though Lent's um, uh, practices may be different than Advent's practices, either both things we are looking forward to that ultimate day when Jesus comes again and all tears will be dried, the ultimate resurrection when we're all resurrected, right? So, um, so there is hope even in the midst of the, um, the sadness because as we always say around Easter time, Good Friday is sad, but Easter's coming, right? Mm. Lent, is, Lent is that time. But because of the place we are in, I think here, um, the state of the world is terrible right now, <laughs> let's face it, right? There's a lot of really bad things happening in this world. 
And um, we, ha as a church, have been praying for a long time. We were praying Second Corinthians seven, sorry, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then God will, you know, heal our land and all of those good things. But it's the before part. So that before part, the things that we need to do to humble ourselves, pray, and seek His face, um, is part of this whole Lent thing. So personally, as I look at Lent. Um, I think of it as Second Chronicles seven fourteen in action, right? We and we are wanting to move in this direction. If we are really want to God to come and heal our land and make <laughs> make sense of all this mess that we have made or has been happening, because some of it's of our own making and others are things that we're dealing with. Um, I think these three things that we're going to look at as part of Lent is. Um, is an important thing that we need to put in practice in our lives. So we're going to first look at confession. Um, I'm, I have scriptures, so I'm just going to tell you what the scriptures are and assign them. It'll be easier. If you don't want to read, just say no. Um, I think most of you do because you usually do. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine too. Um, and then I'll call on you to read them when I get to them. So Karma, will you take Psalm 139, 23 and 24? Um, Wayne, I'm actually going to give you Second Chronicles 7.14, the one I just sort of quoted. Um, Wilma, 1 John 1.9. 1, uh, you guys have a, one Bible between you? I'll give you just one scripture then. Joel 2, 12 to, 14, 12 to 14, so Joel chapter 2. Um, uh, Aaron, I'm going to give you Matthew 16. Sorry, Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Um, Shane, because you're my husband, I'm going to give you a big reading because I'm nice that way. I don't want to inflict that on other people. Um, Isaiah 58, I want the whole chapter. Um, Mike, if you could get 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 10. And then I've got a couple of other smaller ones that I'll give in a minute. All right, so we're going to go to confession first. And we'll, I'll tell you what, the, what they are again when we get to, if you can at least get the chapter, then we'll deal with the verses when I get to you. All right, so confession. Confession is something that we read a lot in scripture. So I just chose three scriptures. There is a lot of scriptures on confession. I think it's a pretty important thing for us as, not just for us as people coming to God in the first place, because often we reserve that saying, okay, well, when you come to God and you want to follow him as part of your commitment to him, you need to confess your sins. Well, it's not something that just stops there. I think we need to continually do that. Um, and it's, and I, scripture backs that up. We're not going to look at all of them. We're only going to look at three today. So Psalm 139, coincidentally, this is one that you shared with us last week, not quite the same verses, but you got us to read Psalm 139 last week, wasn't it, Aaron? Yes, yeah, but we're going to read a different part of it. So verses 23 and 24, please, Karma. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Mm -hmm. uh, yours is Second Chronicles 7.14. So in this one, <clears throat> he's actually, the psalmist is actually opening it up to God to search him. It's not even just a, here's my sins, God. He wants, he's, he's actually saying, God, go through every part of my life and tell me what I've done wrong. That's a really scary thing to do. 
because there's often things that we do on a daily basis that we either don't think about or that we have, um, I don't know, our conscious, we, we've ignored our conscience on it. I don't know what it is. Lots of reasons. But if we're allowing the Lord to come in with his flashlight and get into those dusty corners of our lives and say, hey, tell me, that's, that's a pretty scary proposition, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. Second, Second Chronicles 714, Wayne. If my people who are called, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them their sin and heal their land. Mm -hmm. So I think the um, there's a couple things in that one that I see. Um, it's the turn from your wicked ways. So it's not even just saying, "Hey God, I did this wrong." Tell me what I did wrong. Search me. All that sort of stuff. It's actually saying, I'm sorry for that, and now I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> right? It's, 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 uh... And we look at that verse and say, oh, turn from your wicked ways. Oh, well, I'm not wicked. That's, you know. But there's a lot of things in our lives that are quite wicked that we don't maybe classify them as such. So, yeah. All right. Wilma, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. Amen. Amen. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So if we, if we allow him to, he will show us what we, are, what we are doing wrong. If we are willing to turn from that wrong and confess them to God, he is faithful to forgive us. And in another scripture, um, it talks about washing us as white as snow and others where removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. I think we talked about that not long ago either. Um, so all of those things. Um, confession, they say confession is good for the soul. I think that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Any thoughts or do you want to move on to the second one? All right. So often linked with confession is prayer and fasting. I think fasting is something that a lot of us don't do often or don't do at all or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's value in it. Fasting isn't always giving up chocolate or giving up a meal. It isn't, like we, we associate it with food. Fasting isn't always necessarily food. It's, it's, it's taking a break from things that are... Uh, whatever it is the Lord is telling you to take a break from in order to focus on him. So it's not even just, like we talk a lot about, if you look at any of the dieting sites, it talks about intermittent fasting. Well, that's just about losing weight. <laughs> it can be about focusing on God, but that's not what they're talking about there. And that's not what we're talking about here. So we're going to look at a few verses for praying and fasting. So Joel chapter 2, did you have that? Oh dear, okay. Um, I'm going to... Can, Karma, will you look up Joel chapter 2, 12 to 14? I'm going to move along to Matthew 6, 16 to 18. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. <laughs> There's a reason I knew why all my uh, 
colleagues were fasting from chocolate. <laughs> they were telling me <laughs> all the time and lamenting about the fact that they weren't having chocolate or they weren't doing whatever. Um, it's not necessarily saying never, never, never mention it to anybody, but it's not about the display of it. It's about um, the heart of it, right? Um, karma, Joel chapter 2, 12 to 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Uh, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Okay. To 14. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows whether he will return or not and relent? And leave a blessing behind him. Who knows whether he will? Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So again, this is saying similar to what we're saying in, in Matthew, but it's also saying that um, if we are to do that, God will hear us, right? He's, and that also goes back to the Second Chronicles seven fourteen scripture too. All right, Isaiah 58, the nice long one. Through a false fasting, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. And if they were a nation that, that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight, and to hit with the wicked fist, fasting like, fasting like yours this day. Will not, will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the path that I chose a day for a person to humble yourself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless Poor to your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up foundations of many generations and be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in, 
you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on the holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall delight in the Lord, and I will make you and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that's a very large chapter, and I could probably speak a whole week on just that whole chapter. But essentially what it's saying is it's not enough just to fast. Like it's the 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 um, the action of fasting is nothing if that's all it is. Um, there has to be more to it. Um, if we are, it's sort of like that uh, 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 love chapter in Corinthians. If you are without love, or if you are, you know, everything you do is not going to work if you aren't exhibiting it. So it talks about um, helping your brother or helping the homeless and, you know, names out a whole bunch of things. So it's not necessarily that you have to go and do every one of those things on that list. What it means is that if we, our hearts are just, if, it's, if we're saying, I'm fasting for the sake of fasting, rather than focusing on God and doing the things he's calling us to do, then it's useless. But, but if we fast and we pray and we seek his face and we, and we do the things he's calling us to do, whatever that might be, then he will hear us. Then he will um, do what he's called, what he's, what he's promising he will do. So I'd encourage you to read Isaiah 58 at another time. It's, it's, it's full of such a richness. It's sort of, it's, it's like this whole 2 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles 7.14, I still want to say Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7.14 expanded. It's like all of these things that you can do, that he will do if we do what he has called us to do. So, um, so prayer, praying and fasting, it's not about just doing the fasting for the sake of fasting. It's about seeking God in the middle of all of that, okay? And it's also connected with that confession part, right? If our hearts are not right with him, the fasting isn't going to do us any good either. I think that's what it comes down to with anything we do, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to move along to the third part. Please feel free to interrupt any time. Um, the third part is giving. So... Um, I think I signed the Second Corinthians, but um, Wayne, can you look up Luke six thirty eight? And Wilma, will you look up Proverbs three twenty seven and twenty eight? If you don't mind, that'll be the last ones to do. Um, all right. So <clears throat> when we talk about giving, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind is all those great sermons that preachers would preach on giving, so that they'd up their <laughs> money coming into the church, whether or not it was exactly the way it was exactly that way. But, um, but what I'm talking about this morning, yes, there's a component of financial here, but giving is not just about giving money. Giving is about having a generous nature and being willing to give even when it's not comfortable. And maybe that's your time. I don't know. Maybe that is um, something that you have that somebody else needs. Um, whatever that might be. So this is not necessarily about money. This is about whatever it is, and it might be whatever it is that we hold on to most tightly. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's other things. I don't know. So we're going to take a look. Sorry? Break up our home? Break up your home? No, we're not trying to break up homes here. At all. At all, at all. 
All right, we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 10. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or, necess or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, the bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberty, which causes thanksgiving to us to God. Thank you, Mike. So I, I always laugh when I hear that um, that one section says God loves a cheerful giver, because a church that we had gone to at one point, you'll remember the stair, um, they were talking about giving, like doing what I just said, having the, the speaking on what we need for our budget. And uh, it was the chair of the, the finance committee. He says, he said, now God loves a cheerful giver. So every time the offering plate goes around, we should be cheering. So for like a year or so after that, every time the pastor said, okay, we're going to take up our, take up the offering, everybody in the congregation went, woo. <laughs> I was like, we, we hadn't visited, like we weren't there for the service. We just came in like a week, few weeks later. So we were a little bit taken aback by the cheering when the, when the offering plate went around. We've heard the story afterwards, but, but that is a, a joke. But at the same time, how many times do we give when we are not feeling like we really want to give, we're giving because we should give. <laughs> you know, that terrible should. And that's, like I said, that's not necessarily money. That's giving anything. Maybe we need to give our time to something and we begrudgingly give it. Um, whatever that is. And, and uh, what I like about that um, scripture, that, that particular scripture is um, Paul talking about um, going to the Corinthians because the Corinthians has said that they would support the Christians in Jerusalem so that he was going to go and gather what they had collected and take them. And he says in there, um, to all of you who have, whatever you have determined to give. So it's not like he was asking them, he wasn't saying to them, you need to give this. He was saying, whatever you and God have determined that you're going to give, this is what you need to give and you need to give it cheerfully. So it's not like a number, it's not like a whatever, it's, it's giving it cheerfully, whatever God is calling you to give. So I, like, I, I do like that scripture. Thank you, Lou. Um, Luke 6, 38, karma. I think, or, or no, uh, Wayne, sorry. I knew I gave it to somebody over there. Sorry that I like karma. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shake it together, make room for more. Running over so interestingly if you look in the the verses before that it, it's he talks about forgiving and then he talks about giving um, getting back more than you get so it could you could take that verse in in its out of context and say oh well you know if I give twenty dollars and the Lord's gonna send me forty well that's not necessarily what it's saying here but it's saying that Essentially, you can't outgive God. 
If God calls you to give whatever that giving is, he's going to give back even more in abundance. So in this particular situation, he's talking about forgiving right before that. So if we forgive, how much more is God, is God forgiving us, right? Like it's, it's, God has everything at his disposal, disposal. Everything's his anyways. So how much more can he give back whatever it is that we have given? Like I said, fill in the blank to whatever he's asking you to give. So, yeah, I like that. Press down and, you know, that's, that's like when you're, when you're baking and you have to hard pack brown sugar. <laughs> it's like, it's a lot more than just the cup that you're putting in, in there, right? So it's, it's, it's more. Um, Proverbs 3, 27 to 28. Well, you have that. Do all you can for everyone who deserves your help. Say again. <laughs> and do all you can for everyone who deserves your help. Don't tell your neighbor to come back tomorrow. I, I, I don't think what it means is deserves as in you're, you're good enough to get it. It's like anybody who needs your help. Maybe yes. it would be a better word to use in that particular. Yeah, but don't. And what was the second part? Don't tell your neighbor to come back tomorrow if you can help today. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Because we often, we often do that. Because yeah. if, if you're thinking, well, if I help this person, well, you know what, they're, they're going to use it to destroy themselves. What do you do? Yeah. Or we say, oh, is well. Is he so saying, no, I'm asking you, is he saying that we should still give to them? If God's telling you to. If so God has given that, okay. well, okay. if God God has given you the opportunity, sometimes we give even when it doesn't make sense. Yes, exactly. Um, and sometimes even at the risk of of them do, not doing what you think they should do with it. Exactly. Um, we still maybe maybe it's giving them something different than what they're asking for, though. So maybe it's somebody asking for money, and instead you ask them, "What do you need?" And you and you pay for their power bill, or that you you know I don't know. Like I'm just saying, that's a conversation you need to have with the spirit, and I'm sure he'll direct you on that. But what I like about that particular passage is, um, don't put off basically don't put off helping somebody to, to tomorrow. So so I don't know about you, but there has been lots of times where something has come up, and I'll say, oh well, I'm sure somebody else has got that. <laughs> you know, somebody else is taking care of that. Like that's that's probably not something I need to do anything with, or you know, you know what I mean. Like you just, it's not even just like I'll put it off till tomorrow. It's you think, oh well, I'm not qualified to help them with that. So, you know, so and so would be better off to help them with that. That's not something I can do. But if the Lord's brought that to your mind, then maybe He's going to qualify you, <laughs> whether you're feeling qualified or not. Um, he's going. He's going to do it because he, he's He promises. That in our weakness, he will be, he will be shown strong, right? Like he he will show his strength even in our weakness. So, I'm not saying that every need that comes that you may are aware of is what you need to follow and and fulfill. But if you are aware of a need that the Lord is prompting you to do it, then we need to be doing what the Lord is prompting us to do, right? So those are the three things during Lent to focus on. They're big things. <laughs> and they're things, honestly, that shouldn't just be confined to the 40 days of Lent. But it could be that they are the three things that we don't think of enough as Christians 
that we this time we can be reminded of and in preparation for celebrating um, Jesus's death and resurrection we can prepare our hearts prepare ourselves to receive what God has for us during this season um, I'm going to read another paragraph that I I took off the took off this website it says Lent is a time when Christians separate from the world when we find out our faith is not just a feel-good self-help religion but one that answers the deepest questions of life and eternity those who journey through the Lenten season will enter the Easter season with an increased appreciation for who God is and what he has done for us and the joy of resurrection as well as the promises of eternity will not soon be forgotten so my prayer is that we all, as we journey through these next 40 days, maybe especially in light of what is going on in the world around us, the heartbreaking things that are on our newsfeed every day, um, that this part about Christians separating from the world is not necessarily about not worrying about what's going on in the world. It's about focus, it's where our focus is. And our focus is on Jesus Amen. and then what he has for us Amen. to impact the world. Yes. Um, we can be separate from the world as in we're not living like the world, but not be taken out of the world because we live, we live. Our brothers and sisters around are, are uh, in Christ around the world are suffering. Uh, we have people who are crying out for Jesus even if they don't know that that's what they're doing because they have this Jesus hole in their lives. Um, there are lost people around us everywhere who are searching for something, right? And we, and we know what they need. So however, whatever it is that God has for you, as we walk out these, this door, um, as we go through a week, as we um, interact with people, as we watch the news, um, we have a tendency to live in fear uh, because of everything that's going on or live in um, turmoil or worry or um, all of those things. It's so easy because there's so many things to worry and be fearful and be turmoil in turmoil about. But um, despite all of that, we have, we have a God who sent his son to die on a cross, be raised again, and is now living and walking with us and with the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Amen. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> what do we have to be fearful about? And you picked a very great song today, guys, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And so where do we do our battle? On our knees. On our knees. Right? And, and it's very easy to get caught up in everything that's going on. So I'm going to close by reading a scripture from Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verses 8 to 11. Um, probably very familiar, but... <clears throat> yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Je Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, 
so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That's a pretty powerful statement. I'm going to leave it with that. Let me pray. So, Father, we thank you um, for bringing us together this morning. We thank you for um, we thank you for Lent and what it can um, be in our lives as far as a a tradition that we can follow to prepare ourselves um, for Easter, for Good Friday, and for the celebration um, that is the core of our DNA as believers. Lord, we thank you for Jesus' sacrifice, um, that we can um, be reconciled with you because of, his, of, of what he did. And Lord, for the glorious resurrection that we're going to be celebrating in a few short weeks, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we have that hope of resurrection. We have that hope and that, um, yeah, we have Jesus walking with us. He's not dead. He is alive. And his, your spirit lives within us, Lord. I just thank you. Um, I thank you for what that means um, to us as we daily walk through this hurting world, Lord. Um, we think of the terrible things that are happening over in Ukraine and the, the, the issues and, and disunity and, and turmoil that's as a result of the pandemic and the hurt that people are experiencing because of isolation and loss and sickness. and um, Lord, but what it all boils down to is we have a hurting world that needs you so desperately. So Father, we pray that as we leave this place, as we go about our lives, Lord, whoever and whatever you put um, in front of us this week, Lord, that we would be willing to give generously of whatever we have to give. And we know what we have to give is you, your spirit. Um, fill us to overflowing, Lord, so that even without words we can um, share with others who you are. Um, Father, I pray that as we uh, reflect on um, your sacrifice, Lord, that you would bring to mind things that we need to do, um, that we, what business we need to do in our own lives, what cobwebs we need to clean out in the back corner, Lord, and be forgiven by you, what we need to confess, Lord. Um, it's not about what we can do. It's about what you can do in our lives. So, Father, we pray that you would just um, do your work, um, you promise that you've started a good work in us and that you're not going to stop it until, um, till it's, till it's done. So Father, we pray that you would just continue to do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for everything you are and who you are. We love you. We give you praise and glory today. In Jesus' name.